Does anybody have their Bibles? I'd like you to hold them up and shake them a little bit. You can get your iPhone or your iPad up there and shake it too. We like to make the bookstores glad and the devil mad. Let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. You get it? Kids, what we're doing, this is a spiritual weapon, right? We fight an enemy we can't see, and this is the only thing he'll bow down to, and this is what will give us a victory. And so repeat after me if you believe that. Say, this word has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Amen. Good for my baby girl. There you go. All right. I hope you're reading this thing because it does have power. As a matter of fact, you might not be reading it enough if you open to the book of Luke and World War II savings bonds fall out of it. That might be a clue you're not quite reading it enough. Or if every time pastor says, uh, turn to the book of uh, First Condominiums, you fall for that every time and you're trying to find it. Might not be a clue, uh, you're not reading enough. But we're going to look at God's Word today and what we're going to deal with is the struggle of temptation. And this message is entitled, The Great Escape. Let's say that together. The Great Escape. You know, there's a story told of a minister who was trying to find a place to park in the big city and he was driving around. He finally, he had a very important appointment, so he just finally parks in a no parking zone. But he gets out a note, and he writes on there, you know, I've circled this block a hundred times. I have this appointment. If I miss it, it's going to be a problem for a lot of people. And then in real big letters, he wrote, forgive us our trespasses. So he comes back to his car, finds a citation under his windshield from the policeman. It says, I've circled this block for ten years. If I don't give you a ticket, I'll lose my job. And in big letters, he wrote, lead us not to temptation. You know, one day a father was trying to teach his son how to shoot basketball, and he'd get the basketball, and he'd shoot it up there, and he'd go to the basket, and it'd swish or hit the rim, and the little boy would try it, and he couldn't even get it to the rim. So, Dad, it's real easy. Just just push it. Go like that. The six-year-old would try it again. Couldn't even get it close. Back and forth. Finally, the father, one more time, swishes, and the little boy looks at his dad. He said, you know, it might be easy for you up there, but what about us down here? And I'm telling you, temptation down here is a real thing. And when you get into this thing called Christianity, you kind of think, why didn't somebody tell me? It's kind of like when you go to the army recruiter and say, hey, you're going to see the world. You're going to meet new friends. You're going to travel. But they forgot to tell you, there's going to be people shooting at you. Right? And that's kind of the way it is. The enemy comes at you to try to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came, you might have life. And we can take God's Word, and it'll have a way for us to be able to take inventory, to be able to see if we're really ready when temptation strikes. Because you need to be ready. It's not something you just do in the heat of the battle. It's something you need to be ready for, because He will come. Matter of fact, it might be a constant knock at your door, where the enemy wants in with some sort of temptation. And you have a choice with every knock. You can either answer it, or say, get behind me, Satan. You can either say yes to the sin, or you can say yes to the Savior. There's always a way out. Our scripture today, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is the the foundation. No temptation has overtaken you, such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, say escape, that you may be able to bear it. Message version of the same verse. Remember that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. 
one of the key things in this verse is you need to keep your focus on God, not on you. Okay? It's because of God's faithfulness. And He's given us some great promises. He'll be faithful. He'll not let you down. He'll provide a way. As a matter of fact, this scripture has really stuck strong with me the last few years. It's one of those I just speak out during my prayer time. And it's 2 Thessalonians 3, three. But God is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. I mean, sometimes, well, what if I can't do what if I... But God is faithful. He can protect you and keep you from the evil one. He'll make a way. You might not be able to make a way out, but God can. And first you need to realize how much He loves you. See, I don't know, maybe this is your first time at church. We're not talking about religion today. Religion is man's best effort to reach God. What we're talking about is a relationship where God comes down and touches you. And He's constantly trying to touch you. He's knocking at the door. But I spent, like I said, 30 years in church, but it was just up here and it wasn't down in my heart until somebody asked me a very simple question. If I died today, would I go to heaven or would I go to hell? And I really didn't know the answer. I thought maybe I'd talk my way in, maybe do more good than bad. But he explained it very simple, that I had to invite Christ into my heart. Be willing to turn from my way I was doing things and just invite him in. And I just repeated a simple prayer after him to ask Christ to come into my life. And I'm telling you, there was no bolt of lightning or angels come out of the sky to give me high fives. Nothing supernatural. But I began to have a peace that I didn't have. I began to realize God did have a plan for me. And I began to start to walk in that plan. But it all comes through relationship. Say relationship. So it's not all about us, it's about His work in our life and keeping your eyes on Christ. And Jesus was able to go through this world, faced every temptation we do, but the Bible says He was without sin. He didn't fall to the temptations. So first of all, we have an example. And we still might feel like, well, I don't know if I could ever live up to that. But you need to realize what that example does for us. First of all, it allows us to rely and trust in Him, not ourselves. We really can And He knows our limits better than we do. And He wants us to walk in victory. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be successful. And you need to understand, He loves us. And so He wants this for us. And He knows our limit. Now, how many of you can learn by just somebody telling you something? And you say, okay, that's good enough for me. But how many of us, we got to learn by experience? Okay, that stove's hot. Don't touch it. And we learn the hard way. And it don't matter what age we are. Some of us, we continue to do it in our 30s, 40s, or whatever. But I'm telling you, it's just good to listen to this word and do what it says to do. You know, there was a lot of ships that used to sink. And the main reason they sunk, whether crossing the ocean or a large lake, they would put too much weight in them. And they would just be overloaded and they would sink. And so a man from England by the name of Plimsoll came up with this solution to put a mark on the boat. You can see it up on the screen. It's called the Plimsoll mark. And in that way, they wouldn't load that boat. And sometimes there was different little markings on there depending on the temperature of the water and variant. But if you wouldn't put any more on than that mark, it wouldn't sink. And I'm telling you, God has put a mark on our lives and says, devil, not above this line right here. That's it. So you need to remember that. You might think, oh, nobody's gone through what I've gone through. Or they, I'm telling you, here's the thing, the enemy will lie to you when you do get trapped. And you say, there's no way out. I mean, I've dealt with gang members that say there's no way out. And they feel like they're going to... And I'm telling you, there's story after story of gang members that have walked away under God's protection. I've talked to ex-Satanist high priests. People that were in the occult that God got out. But the enemy lies to you and says, and no matter what it is, and you keep trying to... He just keeps you in bondage. God has a plan for us, but the devil has a plan to come to steal, kill, and destroy. Now... 
God will make a way out. And if you're willing, there's a way out. Sometimes the way out is you have to humble yourself. Sometimes is you have to flee youthful lust. And you have to run away. I have a friend of mine that just said, Hey, I'm just, I got this thing I want to talk to you about. And he just mainly got tears in his eyes. He said, and he's a good Christian man with uh, young children. And he, but his work environment, constant bad talk. Just cussing and junk. And he said, man, all of a sudden I'm starting to do it. And I just hate it. I don't want it anymore. And I said, well, what have you, what have you done? And he, and he finally said, and that was going to be my solution, that you just need to humble yourself. And he just said, you know, and just in the middle of things, right after I said it, I just, you know what, I apologize, uh, you know, forgive me. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be coming out of my mouth. And he just humbled himself and just got out of the situation. You know, sometimes it takes that. Whatever it is, but God will give you a way out. Amen? But the enemy will set traps. You know, I've used this story sometimes with, our, uh, with the youth when I've spoken with them. But when Eskimos would get wolves, why? Because they're worth money. Their pelts, their skin, their fur, they could sell the, the furs from wolf. And so one way they would catch a wolf is they would take a knife, sharp edges both sides, dip it in blood, let it freeze. Dip it in blood, and they would continue to do that until there's layer upon layer of blood, and you have basically a blood popsicle with a knife underneath. Then they would stick the handle in the ice and let it freeze. And so you've got that blood sticking up out of the ground and it's covering a knife. The thing about wolves, very keen sense of smell, sometimes up to several miles. They'd pick up that scent of blood, they would go, and what would they start doing? They'd start licking that blood. And, oh, this is good. And they would lick it and lick until most of the blood's gone. Then what they're doing? They're licking the knife blade. And they don't realize the blood they're tasting is their own blood. And so the Eskimos would just follow the little trail of blood and the, blood, the wolf would just finally bleed to death from its tongue all cut up and they'd just pick it up and they'd have them a wolf. I'm telling you, the enemy sure can candy coat a lot of things and make it seem good and make it seem tasty. And then he'll get you and trap you. And you know, there's even things that, you know, where we get tempted and we try to cover it up. Now, I don't know if anybody out there, I, I still do this at, at my age, maybe mom makes some cookies. Stay out of those cookies. They're, gonna, they're for, you know, they're for the baby shower or some silly thing like that. And uh, they won't miss one. I can read. I took a piece out of the cake one time. I got it way down the middle. I had it all covered up. They found out later there was a hollow spot in it. But you know, sometimes your mom goes, did you eat those cookies? And you look at her and you got crumbs all over your face and chocolate smeared. No, I didn't eat that cookie. You know, sometimes we kind of lie and think, well, that'll help the situation. But what does it do? It gets you in more trouble. And even as adults, we might tell a little fib, a little... What, what, it's a lie. The thing about a lie, it gives the opportunity for the enemy to come in. We have this armor of God, the belt of truth. Truth holds up all your armor. It helps keep your pants up. And when you lie, everything falls off and the enemy has access to you. That's the thing about light. It's not just a little fib. It gives the enemy right to come in and begin to do things. And then what do you have to do? You have to tell a bigger one and a bigger one. And, and the enemy just has you trapped. But there's a way of escape. Say a way of escape. I'm going to take that word escape. Each letter is going to stand for a word, of course. But to me, the message is kind of like a suitcase. These letters will give you a handle to help carry something home. Hopefully you remember this. I'm only going to go over two letters, Okay. And Lord willing, I'm going to preach two more times over this next few weeks. Next week we have a guest speaker, uh, going to be powerful, uh, 
when we hit the first week of June, we're having somebody from Gateway come up. So we got some things planned out. So uh, Lord willing, I'll get you some more letters later. The first letter is the letter in the word escape is the letter what? Very good. Very good class. You're doing good. And it stands for environment. Let's say environment. Environment. Animal experts find out that like a goldfish, the size of the container you put it in will determine the size it'll grow to. And so you put in a little fish bowl, it's going to stay a certain size. You put in a bigger aquarium, it'll get a little bigger. You put a goldfish in a pond, it can get very large. So our environment is crucial, you know, to the size, even with deer, depending on the, uh, you know, the different forage and feed. If it's limited, their growth is limited. And spiritual environment of a person who accepts Jesus Christ as Lord is crucial to your growth. Your spiritual environment, very crucial to how you grow or not. Now, there's things you can control. Now, did any of you children get to pick who your parents were? Uh, We didn't really have a choice in that, did we? There's some things you can pick, but some things you can't. You can pick your nose, right? You can pick your friends. But when I said you pick your friends, a lot of times, teenagers, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You show me who you're hanging with, I can really tell a lot right there. Here's some things about environment. The types of friends you have. That can determine your environment, good or bad. The places you go determines your environment. The caliber of Christian to whom you give your heart to. See, there's a lot of people that... I mean, if you do a survey in Texarkana, are you a Christian? 95% of people say they're Christians. But I'm talking about those people that are carnal Christians, and those two words don't even go together, first of all. But somebody that maybe said a prayer, but have never put themselves in an environment or situation ever grow, and they're still in spiritual diapers. And sometimes we kind of give our heart, I mean, just in a friendship, we get, oh, I'm a Christian, I go to church. But you can begin to tell real quick what's coming out of their mouth and their attitudes, whether they're really somebody you should be hanging around. And then we get in these relationship relationships, and all of a sudden, you know, this young man we're looking at, oh, he goes to church. I'll leave it there. We'll get into that other stuff maybe next couple of weeks. But your environment will make or break you. Proverbs 13, 20. See what the Word of God says. He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. In the message version, become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools, and watch your life fall to pieces. Anybody been around some fools for a season and seen what it's done to you? I pity the fool. (laughs) Psalm 1. Realizing, first of all, God has put some seeds inside you. Seeds of destiny, seeds of a future, seeds of promise, seeds of gifting. Different. I mean, when you, when you have I mean, the Dawsons and there's several new little babies in there, they have a new little baby. I mean, the environment they put that in, and we know that's going to be in good soil, that child will be, and you'll see the things that'll come, that it'll be able to do when you put seed, good seed in good soil. It says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth fruit in season, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatever, say whatever he does, shall prosper. I used to look at this book as something that might spoil my fun. But I begin about, this is a book of success. You do what this says to do, and you'll be successful. You really will. And it comes down to that good soil. But look at the progression in this verse. He who, it says not to walk, 
with a sinner. And, some, and we all have to walk around people on our work at school. But it's, the walking's all right. But when they start complaining, moaning, telling gossip, and all of a sudden you start going, yeah. And then the next thing you know, you're standing with them. And you're starting to agree. You know what? I think that, that's right. I'm telling you that per And then before you know it, you're sitting with them. And then you get on that same spirit on you. I'm, I don't know, but there's kind of a problem right now. We've never had a problem with fleas. We don't have dogs inside or anything. But all of a sudden, walking outside, they are just jumping all over my legs because we didn't have a cold enough winter. But those fleas, from what I understand, they can only kind of jump about 10, 15 inches. But how do they get from place to place? They jump on one thing and then they jump off and get on something else. I'm telling you, be cautious. Sometimes you just need to go home and ask God to just cleanse you from some things, some things you've been hanging around. Hallelujah. Okay, Proverbs 23. Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine-bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will close a man with rags. It's easy to form habits based on who you hang with and where you go. And it's, I don't know about you, but it's harder to break habits than it is to start habits. And a matter of fact, close relationships can even cause physiological changes. That means if you hang around somebody long enough, you can take on their mannerisms, a little bit of a laugh. You know, it's just amazing the different things. You can, facial expression. So the friends or places we go can have a positive or a negative effect on us. And the principle is true in all of our lives. I don't know, maybe, uh, especially at a teenage age, you might see this in your life. Sometimes in school... Maybe you're hanging around a good group during school year. And maybe you have some Bible clubs or, or some things you're going to, fellowship of Christian athletes, and you just got with a good group. And then in the summer, maybe you, you went and stayed with uh, you know, another parent or a relative, or you, just, you were back in your neighborhood and you started hanging around with some people, and you find out that you're starting to get in trouble a lot during the summer. I mean, just depending on who you're hanging with. Now, that can happen at any age. But sometimes if you think back, you can kind of remember those situations where you got around the wrong people, the wrong situation, and it really began to pull you down. So what about our environment? First of all, is it providing... Just take an evaluation right now, kind of assess things. Is providing ways and situations to tempt you or take you out of temptation? Are your friends protecting you and building you up, or are they hurting you and pulling you down? Do you have a place to go where it strengthens your walk with Christ or tears it down? Take inventory, inventory on the places you go and the friends you have. And some of you might just need to be obedient and begin to follow His lead. Because God's on your side. He wants you to prosper. He wants to protect you. But some of you might need to make some changes. I mean, I felt this earlier in my prayer time, and I mentioned it up here. But some of you need to really get this now. God wants you to step out of a situation or some friends or situation so you can step up to that place you need to be so you can step into what God has for you. You'll never do the stepping into unless you step out so you can step up. Amen? Some of you just got to... And God will help you do that. He's on your side. Look at your name and say, He's on my side. And there is a way out if you follow His lead. You know there's a way out of worry and anxiety. He says, Be anxious for nothing but... In everything with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You know, there's a way out of lust. It says, flee youthful lust. And there's things God can give you to help you out of those situations. But when you look at that cross, I want you to remember, 
what was done on that cross. There was a great price paid for your escape. There really was. And we need to tap into that and realize there was a price paid. Amen. The S stands for spend time with God. Let's say that together. Spend time with God. Mark 1.35 Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Who are we talking about there? It's Jesus. Jesus was tempted just like we are, yet he did not sin. Could this be a clue to his strength? I'm telling you, successful people leave clues. You need to follow around successful people. And look, what are they doing? Jesus, as a matter of fact, I believe the disciples asked Jesus to teach him to pray because he saw something. They say, okay, he goes away and prays. He comes back. He raises people from the dead. He heals the sick. He's, not, he's able to not fall into junk like we are. Why is that? And they begin to recognize, hey, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. There's an equation there. Spend time with God. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was ready to go to that cross, he was in the garden, and he asked his disciples, just pray for me. Because, I mean, Jesus was at the point, he was sweating blood. It was so intense. But he was willing to do the, the will of God. And he comes back, and what are the disciples doing? They're sleeping. And he makes this statement. Listen to it, Luke twenty two forty six. Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you fall into temptation. At least you enter. So if you don't want to fall into temptation, what do you need to do? You need to watch and pray. I'm telling you, I'm talking about having a personal time with God, a quiet time with God. Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. David, a man after God's own heart, said, I will hide the word in my heart that I might not sin against him. Pray. Get this word in you. There is, and here's, here's kind of the thing, so much... So many times we, we look at the negative thing and we try to stay away from it. You know, I find out just when I'm, I'm working out and I'm running and doing those things I need to do, I'm not as tempted with the junk food as much. But I kind of slack off over there. I open that gate to the, to the junk food and man, it's like I took a vacation this summer when we took our sabbatical and it was eating out and it was just go for it. But man, once you do that, I can say, okay, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm not going to eat that and that and that. And so what do I think about? I think about that and that and that. Instead of when I'm working out and running, I get to that place where, you know, I don't really want that right now. I mean, I've invested this time. I feel kind of good. What about spiritually? Spend time with God. Get strong on the inside. Matter of fact, if I said right now, I don't want anybody in this room thinking about pink elephants. Okay? Don't think about pink elephants, whatever you do. Okay? Okay, good. We're not thinking about pink elephants. So you need to get strong... What happens when we say don't think about something? I mean, it just consumes you. It just kind of, I mean, no more and say, hey, we're all going to go on a fast. Boom, giant pizza pies begin to kind of float through the air. Ah, ah. There was a submarine in 1963 that went down too far, and the pressure on the outside was greater than the pressure on the inside. That submarine collapsed. 143 sailors were killed. Why did that happen? The pressure on the outside was greater than the pressure on the inside. Instead of just worrying about all this pressure out here and the peer pressure, get strong on the inside. I'm going to share in a couple of weeks the real power you can get on the inside to say no to a lot of things and to give you that strength you need.
But this quiet time, what we're talking about, it's not a religious exercise. It's a relationship experience, okay? We set time aside to hang out with friends and talk to them, family members, church members. Shouldn't it be the same with God? Now, here's, here's kind of my problem a lot of times. I finally get to the place, okay, I'm praying, I'm talking to God. And I bet God's up there, when's He going to stop? i got something to say. But we have how many ears? Two. How many of these, mouse? One. Maybe we should listen twice as much as we talk. And in my prayer time, that's a challenge. Because God wants to communicate to us. He's a communicating God. And He wants to help us and warn us. You know, there was time early in ministry, and it was just one of those times there was a lot going on. I mean, just a lot of growth, salvation, uh, out in the streets ministering, witnessing, demonic confrontations. We got calls from witches threatening us. I mean, we got, uh, it was just crazy the things going on. I got a call in the middle of the night from the answering service, and somebody, or somebody wanted me to come and, and minister to do something. I don't know what it was specifically. But I remember just getting my clothes on, getting ready to go. And I don't know if I made it to the car or got in the car, and I had that little feeling, that little voice, don't go. And then I, then I remembered something a pastor had said, you don't meet with the enemy on his turf. And it was like something was being set up there. And I don't know what it was, but I just said, okay. I mean, I'm not going to meet them on their turf. They can come to church. We'll set up a time. This problem didn't happen. I mean, they're 30-some years old. It just didn't happen in 30 minutes or 30 seconds. I mean, it happened over a period. I wasn't going to solve it right then. And so you've got to be ready to listen to that little still small voice. God does speak. John 10, 3 through 5. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. How do you recognize the voice of God from your own voice, your own feelings? Good question, Pastor Mike. It's tough when you're really invested in the decision. Like with me, if it's, you know, find an old classic car to buy or a new car or something, you know, a man toy of some sort, uh, my flesh, I don't have any trouble hearing it. You know, get it, buy it, it's great, horsepower, whatever it is. I don't have any trouble. But to try to discern and hear that voice of God, the word discern means to extract the precious from the worthless. There's three voices. There's God's voice, the enemy's voice, and... And your voice. And you know what? It might just be God's voice if it lines up with His Word. It might just be the voice of God if it brings conviction but not condemnation. It might just be the voice of God if when you're seeking Him, you get a thought that you realize you couldn't have come up with. It might just be the voice of God. And it might just be the voice of God if it's consistent with His character. Think about that. God is love. Just His name is healer. His name is protector. That's his, not just His nature. That's His name and nature. I mean, it just might be God if it's along with His character. The devil's voice is pushy. It's just one of those pushy voices. In a relationship, whatever. He, he's just more pushy. So our flesh is kind of like that too. And Elijah was trying to hear the voice of the Lord, and it wasn't in the earthquake, it wasn't in the, the, the wind or the, or the lightning or the thunder, it was a still, small voice. And sometimes you've got to do like we did in this service and just practice the presence, and just go into that place of worship, and just, and just kind of clear your mind, pray in the Spirit a little bit, and just ask God to speak and listen. 
and get those thoughts. And to me, it just helps to journal, write things down. God, do you love me? Yes or no? Yes. Ooh, good. Just whatever it is. You know, Australian shepherd dogs are just, I mean, they're an amazing dog, first of all. Uh, but when they're raised as pups, they get to learn the voice of the master. And it's amazing what they can do, how they recognize, you know, the master's voice, this, these little dogs. And there was, there was a little clip on YouTube where one got in the garbage somehow and got a cereal box over its head and was bouncing off the walls, but the owner just said, sit. And you watch, pretty soon the dog sits. Lay down, even without even seeing the master. And I watched another video, I was so intrigued by these little dogs, that how they herd sheep and the cattle and all that. This one, there was five, I think about five or six, they were geese. And it was a contest where he would lead those geese, drive them in through three different cone areas. I mean, in an S shape. And you see that dog, it would bark and then it would run over and just lay down. And it'd watch his master off in the distance. Because see, not only did they learn the voice of the master, they would learn its hand signals. That, that owner would just go like that or like that, like that. And that dog would either run over, lay down, bark a little bit. And those geese, he just kept them going until it went through all those series of cones. I'm telling you, God's voice, the more you spend time with Him, the more you'll just, it'll even be that instinct. You just know, hey, this is not a place I should go because he wants to guide you. He wants to protect you. He wants to lead you. Indians would put their ear to the ground, Native Americans, and they'd hear their enemies coming, the, the horse beats, and that kind of vibrating on the ground. The Lord can show you those traps the enemy sets before you and that you can pass by safely and not fall in them. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Let's go ahead and give Jesus a hand clap. Yeah. Amen. You know, start your day like Samuel... Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And don't go past that little still voice, that our conscience, the Holy Spirit. Discern between your voice and the devil's voice. You know, there's a pastor, uh, as I'm closing up here, so you know where we're, where we're at. There's a pastor that just started a new church and, and just starting a, a new salary that was very limited. And he walked in and saw on the, on the bedroom dresser a receipt where his wife had bought a dress for $250. And he kind of got livid and got a little excited. And he said something to his wife. And uh, she said, he said, how could you do this? She said, well, I was just outside the store and I saw that dress in the window. And the next thing I was trying it on, it was just like Satan was whispering in my ear, you look fabulous in that dress. And he looked at her and he said, you know, I understand. He said, but when I get tempted, I say, get behind me, Satan. She said, you know, I said that. But he said, ooh, it looks fabulous from back there, too. Oh, <laughs> hallelujah. Discerning the voice of God. You know, Samson, I won't even get in, I've shared this kind of as a message one time, but I want to kind of bring this point out. Uh, he had a Nazarite vow, supposed to not shave his head, not touch dead animals, uh, not drink wine or grape juice or anything from grapes. But there was one... The, the start of one chapter, you know the trouble Samson got into, right? And how he had this great strength, but, uh, you know, got taken from him. But it says, Samson went down to Timnah, which is a vineyard. Hello? But you know what the word Timnah means? Timnah means place of check. He went past the place of check. You're going through life, you get that little check in your spirit. That little, oops, I shouldn't be doing this but it feels so good, but I shouldn't be doing this. Whatever it is, don't go past that place of check. The Holy Spirit's there to help you. Amen? 
The last, the last story. You know, in 1519, somebody by the name of Hernando Cortez. Do you remember your history books? It's been kind of a, uh, like a story that's passed down, you know, with this, you know, his uh, leadership. But he was going from Spain to Mexico to conquer the Aztecs to get all this treasure they had. And so he leaves from Spain with 500 soldiers and 100 sailors and he hits the shores of Mexico and evidently a great motivator and he's telling his guys how they're going to take this, this huge empire, literally. Other people have tried it nobody succeeded. But he said three words that possibly changed the course of history. Those three words were burn the ships. See, after he motivated his men, we're going to fight, we're going to take this place, he had a crew of men and he said, burn the ships. In other words, there was no plan B. They were not going to go back to Spain. I mean, it was, they were going to get victory, and that was it. That was their only option. And I'm telling you, sometimes as Christians, you just need to get off the fence and go all in. I spent two years after I asked Christ into my life, and I, I said that prayer, but you know, and I, don't, I already said this, or it was the other service, but I kind of did Jesus, I'd pull him out of my pocket and go to the FCA meeting, Fellowship of Christians. Hey, look, I'm a Christian. Then I'd stick him back in my pocket, and I'd go to the beer the keg of beer afterwards, and party with everybody and, and play that side of it. Then I tried to witness to a friend, and he said, you know, why do I want you, God? You're no different than me. And I just said, okay. And I was in a lake in... Was this same service or last service? I was in a lake in San Antonio. All kind of run together. Floating around on the inner tube, drinking a tall one, and I just... I don't like this feeling anymore. I mean, I was being convicted. And the thing is, I could have made a decision right there... Okay, get behind me, Satan. And, you know, I've, and I share that because this week I got a call from a friend of mine in Nebraska. We graduated together. We we're best friends and love cars and all this stuff. He doesn't have a car right now because he rides a bicycle. Why does he ride a bicycle? Because he continued to drink and it's totally destroyed. He's been in jail, just got out again, destroyed his several families he's tried to have, his business. And I just thank God. And, you know, I was in a good enough environment around right people that not only did I hear that little voice to stay away from it and haven't drank or touched that stuff in, in 20 or 30 years. And I believe that's why my children don't have to struggle with that right now. And I got a son in Hollywood that doesn't. And even in the midst of that stuff. You know, there's a price to pay for all this stuff. And I'm not here to even boast. I just say thank God for the grace of God. And because my friend is just struggling right now, and we said a prayer and tried to break that thing off of him and just pray that God will restore. Because he's got a call of God in his life too. But you know, for some of you, it might just be you need to burn the ships. That means you need to go flush some things down the toilet. You need to break off some relationships. Whatever it takes. And I'm telling you, it's a whole lot more fun and exciting being a Christian when you just go 100%. Because that's God's plan. It's not Burger King where I'll take it my way. I mean, go all in. That's when it gets exciting. It really does. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, that's all I have to say about that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there's one other scripture I noticed in Ezekiel this morning where they, the people had a heart of stone. But God said, I'll take that heart of stone and I'll make it a heart of flesh. I'll make it sensitive again. Because sometimes you can see your conscience so much, you just kind of, I can't get out of this. That's a lie from the devil. You can get out of it. You can, can't, you can get out of habits of stealing and lying and all sorts of stuff. 
You really can't. And God's power is here. Matter of fact, the altar team uh, is going to come forward in just a moment. And when they pray, I'm going to ask altar team, don't just lay hands on somebody real quick today. I want you just to wait a moment. See what God has to say. And even if it's nothing, just believe when you grab their hand or touch their shoulder that the power of God's going to come up to just bring some freedom. Amen? Hallelujah. This is the last question I want to ask before we have our altar team come up. If you died today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Do you know for sure? You can know for sure when you leave here today. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, 10, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. You can know. But it starts by inviting Him in. So I'm going to count to three and give you an opportunity to invite Christ into your life. He won't force His way in. He needs an invitation. And by raising your hand, you're inviting. You're not just you're not joining a church today or voting for me or anything. What you're doing is you're holding your hand to heaven and say, God, I give you permission, the creator of the universe, the prince of peace, to come and live in my life. So if that's you and you need to get things right with God or you've never done this before, hold your hand up and we'll pray for you. One, two, three. See your hand. I see your hand and your hand. Several adults, several adults. Another child. Thank you, Jesus. Another adult. Another adult. Amen. See your hand. God bless you. Amen. Thanks for leaning up and letting me see your hand. Proud of you, young man. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a couple people over by that cross. We're all going to stand up in a minute. The altar team's going to come up. They're going to begin to sing. Everyone that raised your hand to ask Christ in your life or get back on track, I want you to go right over to that cross. We've got some information we want to give you. And I promise you, when you get up, people are going to clap for you. Because how many have made this walk before? You've asked Christ in your life. Many in this room. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet. If you raise your hand to ask Christ in your life, head over to that cross. And the rest of you, as the altar team comes, you need to agree with somebody to maybe burn some ships, to maybe get out of, step out of some things so you can step up and step into some things. And it could be something not so much message related, just you need to agree with somebody in prayer over a situation. And you missed that opportunity earlier. So we're going to begin to sing. Hang here as we sing through a song once, and I'll dismiss you. But use this opportunity. Matter of fact, right now, listen to me, listen to me. Right now, there's that voice that says, I am so hungry, I need to get out of here and eat. Flesh, just give a minute or two. Maybe that little voice is saying, no, you've been tied up in this situation long enough. You need to come and get accountable. And you don't have to just share everything, but just say, hey, there's a situation. I need help in this area and agree with somebody. Amen. Let's worship. Come on to the altar. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give them a hand clap as they come. Thank you, Jesus.